when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 13, with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams, how you doing, Brad? I'm really good, mate. I've had some time to reflect and, uh, you know, kind of like transfer windows happen now. We've got our squad going forward. I've had... I've kind of looked at it in the last few days and been like playing around in my head where if I was on Football Manager and this was the squad I had available, what kind of system I'd run. But how are you, Brad? How's the man behind the mask? How's the man behind the mask? Do you know what? The man behind the football. I'm I'm really good today, Alex. Um, I'm having a good day. I've sorted just like, do you know when you just got to do like basic like admin life shit, like doing your laundry. I feel you. Sorting out like... Because obviously with Rona and everything, we've got to find new ways to find income. So I've been selling a shitload of stuff on eBay. Oh, fucking Rona. I've had one of those days with Rona. I've I've been pissed off all day about it. It's just, it's got, it's you know, when you... Yeah, yeah, it's... It's that sort of never-ending mountain thing. But yeah, I just, I've just had a fucking one of those days where you just go, for fuck's sake. Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, I get that vibe. That was me yesterday. I said to my girlfriend, I literally just want to have a cup of tea, sit, like sit in our bed, watch something fucking shit and just mope. What did you watch? Oh, she wanted to watch a rom-com. So we ended up putting on... Did you do it? Oh, of course we, of course I did. I have no power here. She cannot stomach anything that is not a rom-com or a comedy or occasionally like a light action film. No thriller, no horror, no suspensey kind of films. They just they they don't they don't vibe with her very well. So I tend to watch those by myself, which I'm fine with. I'm totally fine with because I'm a massive cinephile. So I will literally sit on my own for like eight hours in a day if I'm not working or busy. Is that the words cinephile? Yes. Didn't know that. You never heard of that. It sa- it just sounds dodgy, doesn't it, bro? It, do- it definitely sounds jo- dodgy. <laughs> Google it. Give it a Google. See if it is because I've heard the phrase. I've heard the no, phrase. no, Brad. I believe you. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're right. And I don't really want to be googling cinephile just in case. Just in case um, some weird things pop up. But yeah, um... <laughs> exactly. Uh, so listen, before we get into the football, the different knock. I've got a big announcement. Comunicado oficial. Cue dramatic music. <laughs> the different knock. Announces all new content. Content, 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 content. We've started our very own Patreon. We have. That's right. The different knock have started a Patreon for just five pounds a month. You can support us. Here is exactly what you get if you sign up for our Patreon. Give us a second. Instant game reactions, a 20-minute podcast with video discussing every ball kicked, ad-free early podcasts, uh, Patreon members receive the podcast eight hours before everyone else without any ads at all, regular deep dive blogs uh, into all aspects of the club, uh, access to the members-only chat server on Patreon and on Discord, exclusive live streams, um, and much, much, much more. Basically, here's the thing. Let's level with you. 
we, we are independent creators. We are two football fans who make a podcast and we love it. We absolutely love it. But we need funding. We need support. We need financial support. So it's one of those things that it will cover our costs. It will cover the cost of the equipment that we've invested in. It will cover the cost of the the subscriptions that we have, all that sort of stuff. If you have any cash, if you fancy um, supporting us, we'd really appreciate it. We we know like we're in such a difficult time um, globally. We, we're very aware of that. We want we wanted to. We took a while to plan this and to really make sure that we were going to deliver some really, really good content. Definitely. Um, it's it, it, it's one of those things that we understand. Times are tough. Times we, are yeah. tough. But we wanted to make sure that we didn't just throw out a Patreon or throw out any subscription service without giving you some substance. Exactly. Because we've both had conversations kind of in the lead up to this where we've said that so often we've enjoyed creators and then looked at their kind of pay to join or pay to support services. And it offers nothing in a sense and yeah next to nothing and we really we really want to offer like a a real game changer and kind of and also you know obviously with the financial support potentially basically all of the money will go back into you know being reinvested into the show so we're looking at you know interviews with with as many people as we can get on you know journalists and football writers and hopefully sportsmen eventually uh we're looking at um you know investing in potentially other members of staff to write more it's it's all going to go back into the show and hopefully make it a a better thing for everyone. Also want to clarify that this podcast will not change. It will still be on a Monday and a Thursday, uh, depending on games, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely for free. Always will be. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's it's um, if you have uh, any money, if you have a little bit of change to support us, it's £5 a month um, and we'd really, really appreciate it. So go to patreon.com forward slash diffknock if you want to sign up. Okay. We're back. We here. We good. We eating. Uh, deadline day passed. Uh, Bradley and I put out a transfer deadline day special, uh, which was good fun, wasn't it? We did a little live stream on Twitter. Couldn't work out how to. We couldn't work out how to get Bradley live on um, video on the but... on the on the screen. But and he even put on a shirt. I know. I'd gotten dressed. Wow. Um, but yeah, let's let's have a little look back on deadline day because it was it was a, it was a fucking mad day. Um, and something that's come out sort of um, in the in the interim is about Saliba. Um, when you sign an 18 year old as he was at the time for something like 28 million pounds or you know have a you know in that sort of ballpark figure there's going to be a lot of pressure and i think it's safe to say that he's not um not by any fault of his own not lived up to the expectations i think thus far in that he isn't ready by Mikel Arteta's standards that's i don't think that's his fault necessarily he's clearly a player with a high potential but Mikel, I think, has said a few times he he needs that kind of adjustment period. He needs that that time where he is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, adapting to the league and adapting to to what's going on. I think he's had some stuff going on personally, um, and I think it was interesting to see that we were trying to loan him out. I think Saint Etienne came in for him uh, to take him back out on loan. Obviously, they've lost Fafana. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? I, I I think it's a good move and potentially a move down a league. I, I'm looking at like Brentford and Bournemouth. Yeah, I think Brentford play some good football. Um, uh, I watched them in uh, well when they lost actually to Fulham in the in the final of the playoffs. Yeah, and they seem like a decent team. They've got some good players. Um, for me, I, I think it's disappointing that he's not gone out to League One again or to a top league that 
okay, maybe isn't as fast or as robust as the Premier League, but would still offer him a, a bit more of a challenge. You think if he goes to League One, if he goes to Rennes, which he was linked with, or Saint-Étienne, which, again, it came out kind of almost after the deadline had passed that there was a failed move between Arsenal and Saint-Étienne, he'd still be coming up against your Neymars, your Mbappes, your Depays, your, some absolutely high-quality dons. So... I am a little disappointed that we didn't manage to get that done because I think we've had the whole summer. And if we were going to loan him out... I think it would have really benefited him. Yeah. If we were going to loan him out, why not loan him out to the country of his... I don't, know, I don't know if it's actually the country of his birth, but it's his native tongue. He speaks French. He's grown up in that league. It would have been a better move for us to ship him out there because also I don't think it would have come with the same stigma as loaning him down to a championship club. But I agree with the move. I think it's really, really difficult. And obviously there were massive, massive expectations on him coming in. And I do believe that he seems to be a player with, with a large amount of potential that could do very well for the club. But the issue was, is he was meant to have his transition year last season with Saint-Étienne. But injury and coronavirus meant that he played 16 games in, the hot, in, in a calendar year, pretty much. And he did not get enough experience to warrant him coming back and playing a significant role this season, which is why I can definitely, I definitely, I agree with that. I think it's a great move getting him out and getting him some experience. It's just a shame that we haven't been able to facilitate almost a better move optically because I don't want it to be a situation where fans start to look down like, oh, he's, he's gone down to the championship where, where the championship is one of the hardiest it's the hard. It's one of the hardest leagues to get out of. You look at Leeds; they went down sixteen years ago and never came back up until this year. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think there's a there's a certain stigma attached to to moving down a league, and I, I I'm with you in that. I, I would have liked to have seen it done sooner. Like, a, it seems weird that we, if we wanted to loan him out, why didn't we do it sooner? You know, we've known that Saliba, yeah, isn't ready, or or Mikel Arteta has clearly known that from the first couple of training sessions so it feels like a weird decision to do that whether it was a lack of options I don't know but I can't imagine many clubs turning up their nose at the you know a, 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 a loan option a loan option of, of Saliba it sounds strange I think there's um I'm up for loaning him to the championship I think there's a there's a certain value there my only question would be then is the confidence he's come to a new league he's he's a he's a teenager you know he's a teenager and i it's funny man like we we talk about players like you know we're 23 and 24 right but you know he's he's and it's easy to, to go oh he's a teenager or whatever but like you, you know remember how you were when you were 19 remember i remember how i was when i was 19 if i went to a new league uh or you know a new country and immediately you know i was deemed maybe not ready and i was you know told to go somewhere else a foreign place within that country Mm-hmm. it's hard and and especially when you'd have the media um pressure that you'd have plus i think uh, he's had some family issues and family tragedy recently uh, yeah it's a concern there's a kind of a sink or swim thing in terms of well you know he goes and he sinks or swims he's got to go play and perform for a, a bournemouth or a brentford hopefully a team that, that plays football well but he's coming up against physical aggressive defenders and it's in, and it's in it's in england there's a certain a benefit to that but I just do I worry about his confidence and I worry about if he goes and say has a bad time and isn't in the Bournemouth team for whatever reason you know an altercation a 
a, 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 a mismatch between him and the manager, anything, he we could see his confidence massively decrease. And Definitely. you want him to come in. And, you know, last summer, when he comes in, he comes in from Saint-Étienne. Say he played the entire season, played in that League Cup final, he comes in. You wonder whether there's a confidence thing there already. And, and it's, I just think it's, as part of his development, I wonder whether it's better maybe to keep him here I do understand the value of a loan, but maybe to keep him here and just keep him uh, developing. It's a good point. I think it's thanks, Brad. Again, it's it's less a it's less about kind of development time, isn't it? Because if you want to develop a player on the pitch, the best thing to do is obviously play them. But it, it's the confidence. It's kind of that weird catch twenty two where, like you say, sending him out somewhere where he gets regular minutes would be great. But if you shatter the boy's confidence too early, I think. I understand game time and I understand that. Yeah, but It's really difficult. If you're in, you know, he can play for the under 23s for game time. If you're in training every single day against the Bamiang, against Willian, you know, come, you know, parties coming in with the, you know, with the yeah. basically the world-class status of, of a couple of those players. If you're playing against young guys who are hungry and ambitious and you're at this club and you're, and if he can get, if we, if we can get his attitude right, saying, you know, you'll have your chance this season. We don't think you're ready yet, but, you know, hopefully by the end of the season, we'll give you a chance. You know, it's a long season, man. You know, you never know in a in a in a meaningless Europa League game in a couple of months. He he might he might we might see him. We might see him sooner. Who knows? But yeah, maybe. I think there's a there's a certain value in keeping him around. I just worry about a loan. Um, I can see the value in it, but I can also see the value in keeping him here. So it'd be interesting to see what what happens with that one. By the way, he was born in France. He was born in France. Um, yes. Also, what came out? I mean, we've got the. The obvious, the kind of the party news. I think the uh, another interesting thing that came out about the party deal, which, uh, by the way, I'm going to try and get someone on here to have a proper deep dive into party at some point, because I think he's a fascinating player. He's someone who, the more I read about, the more I understand. Um, I was tracking Awa basically the whole summer, and then party happened. Um, and I've watched a lot more of Awa, but the more I watch of party and hopefully um, the games we see him in and the, and the, and the stuff that comes out about him... Um, the more interesting he becomes, and yeah, as I said, I'd love to get someone on here to really have a deep dive who understands the, his 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 profile a bit better. But something that came out, two things that came out interestingly in the Athletic were that he is a lifelong gooner. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's seen us uh, he's seen us through thick and thin, and he came he came even though he's seen us through the banter era. Yeah, the banter um, era. Christ, he's uh, he's a lifelong gooner, and interestingly. It came out that Kroenke may have fronted up with the money for his release clause. Now I know you don't necessarily buy that, or you 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 think that there's a there's a there's a PR thing in that. But if I think it's exciting, and I, and I, and I think it's something that that you know, if Kroenke is willing to back Arteta and had seen what what came out in the article was that he's seen progress, you know, I think that's a really exciting thing especially for the future because if he sees progress and he's willing to invest now if we continue to progress you know where's the there potentially might be an investment in the future i know you don't necessarily share my optimism completely no i just think it depends um net net spend wise we've not really spent much more or less than we have the last few seasons so i think the kind of claimant that Kroenke has fronted this money uh, time will only tell if we sign another player say Saeed Benrahma from the championship for 25 million pounds or in January we pick up a 
or Buendia for 20 million or in January pick up a Hussam Al. You Alwa. love Buendia. Oh no, I'm just thinking of other options and he's the only player I could genuinely think of. It's Buendia and Hugh Wizzy and you're happy. Oh, absolutely. Buendia and Hugh Wizzy. <laughs> it's my dream team. It's my dream team, lads. <laughs> but um, that will tell us whether this is true or not, whether we sign somebody from the championship now or whether we sign somebody in January. Because if nothing else happens, all it to me all it is is PR. I, because I th- we've not we've spent pretty much net spend the same amount of money that we do every summer. So claiming this without the evidence of this makes no sense. Which makes me hopeful that maybe we're going to sign somebody kind of going forward. Hopefully in January. I think you know it's only about eight to ten weeks away, so we can definitely wait that long if we're gonna go out and sign an hour also uh i know we we chatted about what we were going to discuss before and i forgot to mention this there was a bit of news floating around twitter that the reason that the hour deal collapsed was because of his brother who's his agent oh, i haven't seen this and again we need the conjecture we need the conjecture klaxon conjecture klaxon warning conjecture ahead but it was rolling around twitter that one of the main reasons that this collapse was his uh Alwar's agent is his brother and apparently his agent was making ridiculous demands didn't lineker tweet something about that yeah tweet, not not about where he wasn't specific but he said like a major deal didn't go through because because the agent was demanding 30 million I'm not saying that this will... I don't think that that... I'm not sure whether that was Alwar or not. I'm pretty sure it, I'm... Well, again, I don't know. But what I do know is it was then reported afterwards that one of them... The stumbling block that came out from this Alwar deal was uh, his brother's demands, his agent's demands. Again, this is conjecture Warning. time. Conjecture ahead. But if that's true, and maybe he switches agent to a bit more of a reputable agency and... Uh, the deal gets done in January. I think fantastic. The Cronkies have definitely invested. But if nothing... You should just go to Kia. If... No, uh, well, there, what, the thing is, you mentioned that. There was a tweet under, um, from this journalist underneath that said the deal may be able to get done at a later alternative date with an agent with high sway at Arsenal. And so obviously it's... It's gonna, it's gonna be fucking. We'd love it to be cute. You'd love it to be. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a massively interesting conversation to have, but time will tell. On the Cronky thing, I, I do, I do think it's come out from a reliable source in Amy Lawrence at the Athletic, but also it is notable that it's come out right. Like, of course. You know, we didn't necessarily need to know that Stan Cronky was the one who backed it. It's just inform. It's just information, right? So we can we can manipulate it and see it however we want. I think. I think we can look at it negatively and go, well, you know, where's the net spend and where's the uh, where's the backing bin before and it's, it's PR. I just think there's no confirmation. Uh, who knows? Ultimately, 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 yeah, well, ultimately, we don't know the club's finances. We don't of know what, not. exactly what it is. We can just sort of make guesses. But the fact that we triggered a release clause, having tracked someone for two years... It's ballsy from the club, especially at a 27-year-old who we, we're not guaranteed to get value out of at the end of the contract. Now, I know you get value from the from the player. I, I don't really buy that whole um that whole sort of tra- train of thought. But I'm what I'm saying is, you know, for Stan Kroenke looking at it, he clearly trusts. He's 31 when the contract ends. Yeah. If you want to if you want to sell him, you have to give him a second contract, right. maybe a year and a half in to extend to another three and a half, four year deal so that maybe you can sell him at 30. It's 30. big wages as well, man. It's big wages. With incentives, it's about 200k a week, apparently. Yeah. But you're, yeah, so it, it's it's a big risk and 
hopefully this is the thing that catapults us forward into some kind of monicum of success in yeah. rebuilding towards the Champions League club that we once were. Oh, mate. And getting us kind of moving someone, slowly back to someone where we need to Someone just be. tweeted the, the music the other day, the Champions League music. Oh. I would... Oh, my... I can't tell you. I would... I would bury... I would bury my cat. No, I wouldn't. I love my cat. Um, I would... What would do I do? Do you actually bro? have a cat? Uh, I have a cat at home. My mum doesn't, oh, okay. my mum doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'll just say it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know what I'd do, Brad, but I... I I would die for us to be back in that competition. It's it just amazing. fucking incredible. Those Champions League nights at the Emirates, if people could be in the stadium. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So, and, and on Cronky as well, I think another thing that that came up on, on, on deadline day and, and perhaps a bit of a disappointment was our kind of, our inability to, to shift on some players. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. I think you've got players like Kolasinac and, and Socrates on these big wages um, people know they've got a year left on their deals and, you know, why would they be signing them for big money of course. or any massive fees when they can get them on a pre-contract in January? But I I think for Kroenke to... Firstly, that's a disappointment from the club's perspective, but also not not the responsibility of Arteta and Edu. I think also Edu did really Ooh. well, considering this was his... I don't know if I agree. I think it is the responsibility of well, them. Well, they didn't give him the contract, Brad. But I, no, no, no. This is this is what I'm saying. I think it's about wording. It was the responsibility of Edu to try and get those players out of the club. But he, but I don't think the blame falls at Edu for not being able to. But do you see what I mean? It, it's yeah. It's a weird way of looking at it. Like it was his responsibility. That's literally his job to try and do that. But I don't blame him for not being able to sell Mustafi and Socrates and you know, other players who were give, weren't given contracts by them and are going on a free next season. It was an impossible situation and I don't think that you can really blame the people that took over the situation, but I don't think you can also shirk the responsibility that it is actually their job. I'm saying it's obviously the responsibility of Edu to have tried to, and I'm, I mean, he almost did with Kalazanak. It was no secret that we had a 12 million euro offer from Bayer Leverkusen and the one stumbling block was Kalazanak's wage demands. And that was the thing holding it up. And then it just never went through. But I think we are agreeing by saying different things. I agree with you. It, it was the burden of responsibility for Edu being the technical director at the club to try and move these players on. But I don't think his, it's his fault because it there was nothing that he could have done. You know, you're talking about Socrates is 32. Mustafi's never... You're never really going to get a massive fee for Mustafi when you can pick him up for a decent age for a kind of a middling club for a free. They're in a difficult situation. So I don't, I don't blame them. I don't, I don't place any negativity at them. But I do think it was their responsibility to try. And yes, of course they've tried and failed. But it's like it, you tried and failed with kind of a concrete block strapped to your leg rather than trying and but, failing in an optimum scenario. But also, what I was going to say is, you know, this is Edu's first ever transfer window at the helm, and you know, he, he has obviously has a team around him, but mm-hmm. Sanya, he left him, what, like a couple of months ago or a month ago or two ago, like basically you, he's on his own. And I think, can, you know, considering we did get some deals deals done in terms of outgoings and considering, we, you know, we did do, um, we did do the right stuff on the incomings in terms of largely, I'm kind of happy with the window. I think oh, definitely, the inability definitely. to the the inability to shift people is a shame. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. It's it's not 
it's it was their responsibility to do so but the fact that they didn't i don't blame them for but it yeah. wasn't their fault um not yeah at all. yeah it, it was interesting so the only other thing that came up on deadline day was was an interesting one actually about wilshire obviously he had his um contract cancelled uh at west ham mm. wilshire's 28 and he's been fit for a while and he's he put a pretty pretty spicy uh tweet out basically not very happy at west ham and the way that the situation had been handled i'm trying as hard as i can to remove the romance from this situation but i don't know whether getting wilshire in on a pay as you play considering the lack of depth we have in that position considering the relationship he has with the club considering he knows the club considering he's homegrown considering he would give would fight tooth and nail and we only have to pay him on a pay as you play situation he would be training he would be um inspiring youngsters and he we would give him a second chance at a club that he obviously loves i don't know and also playing with arteta who he's obviously played with before i don't know whether that's a bad idea but also like am i just being deluded i think it's a situation where we don't know whether it's a bad idea and we don't know whether it's a good idea because things have come out from players camps before saying i'm fully fit and ready and all of this shite and you never really know if that's true but i don't think it's yeah if you can get him to agree to a pay-as-you-play deal where he comes in trains and is ready for the matches and if he gets selected then he play then he gets paid and if he doesn't he doesn't but i think that's a difficult thing to convince a player to do especially when there's rumors of offers from the mls i don't think it'd be a horrific idea i don't know where he would play obviously he's he's kind of playing in a more advanced role i could see it but it also depends on whether he's still got the legs to do that but who knows i don't think it's a bad idea i just don't know whether it's a good idea it's it's a difficult one to judge I certainly don't think it's a bad idea for him to come train with us. No, not that. at all. Like, because he, we can see, we can assess his fitness levels and assess his level and all that sort of stuff. Give him a trial. Why not? Like, I, I'm, I'm so aware that obviously we're massively biased, but imagine that, mate. Imagine Wilsh comes back in, takes oh. back the tenure, and like plays in the Champions League. You know, that would be that would be fucking poetry. It would be poetry. and it, Of course it would. And every Arsenal fan would love that. I, I don't know whether it's a sensible financial decision or even fo- a sensible footballing decision. Oh, no, it's massively... Ro- it's massive kind but, of romanticism. I don't know. But... I don't know. We'll see. I... Yeah, who knows? Oh, oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention from the transfer window. I don't know. Did you see Torreira's comments? I think it was earlier today that they got released. No. The loan option... The loan to Atletico Madrid doesn't include a buy option? I've heard differently. I've heard that it includes... Um, in, there was a... I don't know who it is. It could be Ben Schaefe has a contract who basically, if he hits certain demands in terms of playtime and in terms of like performance level, the the, the buy clause is activated, i.e. if they play him enough times, they, they, it's an obligation to buy. I've heard that. I could obviously, again, you know, different sources, different different figures, all that sort of stuff different Twitter users, but apparently he made some comments that that were quoted that basically led kind of people to believe and that almost inferred that there is no buy option. Okay. Which I think is really interesting. It is interesting. I think overall, both of those moves, and we think we covered this on the transfer deadline um, podcast, I think both of those moves are really good. 
Like, I think mm. it's great for Gwendouzi, and we've discussed that in, in quite big detail on the Transfer Deadline Day podcast, so go have a listen to that if you haven't heard it. Uh, but Torreira itself, it puts him in the shop window. He's he's 24. It protects him as an asset. Um, if he plays at Alesco, which I think he will. Um, especially now Party's gone. Yeah, especially now Party's gone. And especially considering Simeone was, was saying that he... Um, Simeone was saying that he wanted to play him with um ter- uh, with Torreira with Party. I'm just looking up what shirt number Torreira's got. Now I know that sounds stupid, but it's quite a If it's the number 11 again oh, you're going to cry. I'm just interested. Ah, he's taken number 5 off Party. I'm not that you know can mean nothing, but we we don't you know for, to get in a player of his profile, give him the number five shirt is another indication that potentially they're looking to, to replace Party. and Party was a guaranteed starter. We don't know. But if, say, for example, Torreira plays an entire season very well at Atletico, while Real Madrid haven't strengthened, while uh, Barcelona haven't massively strengthened and does well in the league, it puts him massively in the shop window and next summer he could be of potentially being bought by Atletico or potentially being bought by anywhere, anywhere, anyone else. Because Definitely. Terrera, if it doesn't have could, this buy option. Torreira could turn into a 40 to £45 million pound asset. Because, th- think about it, he's he's 24, he's experienced, he's an international player. If he does well, a club will come in for him next, next summer, I'm sure, as long as things are a bit better and a financial, financially better. Part of me doesn't... Part of me thinks that you know his his Arsenal career might not be over. Yeah, if he goes, if that let's say let's say let's go off the basis that there is no buy option. I don't know if Arteta fancies him. I think Arteta's got a wife, so I don't know he wouldn't fancy him. But I I think I'll, I do I know, but I do I do think that has a lot to do with Unai Emery basically ruining <laughs> him Torreira's Arsenal career by playing as <laughs> him as some weird number ten auxiliary box to box. Box Weird. to boxes don't exist anymore. Oh. They're not good in the modern game. And I listen to Clive on the Arsenal Vision podcast. It was uh, what 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 even Unai Emery basically fucked that poor bloke over. But if he let's let's work off the basis that um, the comments that I read this morning were true and that there is no buy option. Obviously, if he comes back and he's played sensationally and there's a forty million pound offer on the table and we decide that we can take that he isn't a player that Arsenal like the system that we're playing kind of suits or fancies. We can send them away for the 40 million or even 30 million mark and bring that money in. Brilliant. But if he goes out there and absolutely smashes it and we're looking at, you know, we've not got the most stacked midfield. Danny Ceballos, unless we buy him on a permanent next summer, is obviously going to go back to Madrid. There is, there is kind of a future I can see in my crystal ball where obviously because of losing Ceballos, bringing him back in, uh, bringing Torreira back, might not look like the worst option, depending on who we're playing and how we're playing. I'd love to see your crystal ball, Brad. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Brad, it's time for everyone's favourite section. Things you didn't know about Mohamed Elneny. Mohamed Elneny's favourite colour is white, and his favourite animal is a dog. That was Things you didn't know about Mohammed Brad, I think it's time for that section to go. Yeah. Mainly mainly because I have no more Mohammed El Nenny facts. Mainly because he is the most elusive man to find things about. He doesn't doesn't do much. He he 
Hey, wait, listen, he does a lot on the pitch, but he doesn't do much sort of media stuff. Yeah. He's not really on social media. Quite a quiet lad. But there you go. You, you've learned some things about Mohamed Alani. So there you go. Oh, yeah, just a quick one. Uh, to celebrate our Patreon going live, we're going to do a giveaway, aren't we, Brad? Yes, we are. Of a brand new Thomas 18, disgusting, shirt. Uh, so have a look out for that on our Twitter and we will be announcing how to do that and the winners very shortly. So a couple of bits of news then uh, throughout the week, uh, just sort of bits and bobs. We had the old Ozil tweet. Yeah. Uh, offering to pay Gunnosaurus's wages. Never did I think I would be saying that sentence on this podcast, but here we are. Uh, it's a strange situation. Uh, it is. It feels like Ozil's camp asserting some dominance. Uh, I Maybe. imagine that's not the last of things. What do you think? Uh, look, I think if this is any other player, it is seen as a lovely gesture. But because of the situation with Meza Ozil going on currently, everyone's just seen it as a big bit of PR. I kind of... It's difficult because I don't want to be this dickhead that just sits on the fence. It is... We don't know, we, we, and we will never know whether this was done purely on the basis of PR, but Meza Ozil's track record speaks for itself. Very charitable man, has been known to pay for the surgeries of sick children, has set up charities, has donated, like, he's a very, very generous man. So it would not surprise me if this offer came from a place of just true intention and good intention. But I can see the fact that he's obviously tweeted it to be in the public sphere to again just. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I, I I think on the one hand he is obviously a very charitable guy, but also what a time, what a way, what a manner of doing a thing. You you could do that internally, but you could do that internally. Of course you can, but if you look at the way that the if you look at the way that the club has acted over, you know, everyone's calling Urzel the toxic one in this scenario. What has Meza Urzel actually done wrong? He signed a contract that he was offered. Nah. He's trained and been willing to play. Listen, he's. I, I I I'm sorry to disagree, but I just I just uh, for me personally, I love Urzel. I'm a big fan. I think he's an incredible player. Ultimately, he's being paid £350,000 a week. These things aren't mutually exclusive, in my opinion. He can be a very charitable person. He can be a wonderfully talented footballer. And also, this act can be wrong, in my opinion. he it's, it's, You can do it internally. It can come out and say, you know, one of one of the players, or, or Mesut Ozil, you can name him. Mesut Ozil was offered to pay, and we've got Gunnar back. Brilliant. Firstly, I don't think Gunnar was ever actually going to be sacked. It was just that he wasn't there for the games, and he wasn't there because the fans were there. So I don't really see why he's offered to cover the wages, other than a very slight. Because because the actual the other guy the actual guy has been made redundant. I understand that, but but th- there's a reason. You know, he he hadn't been axed. Gunnarsaurus was was going to come back. The guy had been made redundant because there's no fans there. So you can go into every single individual case, and and I feel really sorry for him as a person. What I'm talking about, and and it's you know <laughs> sounds a bit callous, like you know, what's he there for? But as in. If, you, if you're talking from a business perspective, a guy was made redundant with the promise of that his job was going to come back. If it wasn't and they were just going to get someone else in, that's fucked. But with the idea that Ozil, 
you know, uh, with the idea that he's going to come back. I understand that. I, I wish he could stay. I wish the finances were there, but there we are. My point is, Ozil didn't have to do it this way. He didn't have to tweet out like that. He didn't have to make it about him. And it, it, it feels, it just feels like a, a PR thing or a way of an, a kind of a, a win over the club. Okay, I, okay. I, I don't like it. Let me let me play devil's advocate to this situation. There is a very real opportunity, uh, kind of version of the future where yes, Gunnosaurus returns, but not the same person in the suit. I can't believe we're discussing this. <laughs> of course, I know it's mental, <laughs> but where where Gunnosaurus returns, but the same man doesn't come back in the suit because realistically, it is probably cheaper to hire somebody new who you can give a lower salary than somebody and I would who's disagree got twenty seven years of exactly. experiences. Of, and I would of disagree course, with that. of course. Now. With this tweeting, I would agree that obviously it's something that could have been could have been done internally, and I disagree with you entirely that the finances weren't there to keep this man's job. That's just not true. The finances were there. We just didn't want to spend that money. Alex, he earns fifty k a year, maybe if he's lucky. We've just spent forty five million on party that Cronky's apparently injected. You cannot you cannot tell me that the finances are not within that club to actually pay the man. No, of course, of course, of course they are. But what the, the thing we don't know is, is like, is what was, re- what's really going on? What's behind all of these redundancies? What it, it, basically it's looking at. Well, what's behind sli- all these redundancies is the situation. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, that's it's what I'm situation. saying. Yeah. But, and it's what I'm, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with, with, with the fact that this guy should keep his job. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that it's a great thing that Ozil's doing this thing. I'm not disagreeing with any of it. I'm just literally disagreeing. In, on a very specific note with the tweet that's all i'm disagreeing of course. with because i don't think that's the way to do it because it's 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 it here's another way to angle that tweet though you could look at that tweet arsenal and meza Özil obviously do not have a good relationship it's been clear to see for a while i can see a very very real kind of version of events where meza Özil goes to the board and says bring him back, I will pay his wages, and they refuse. I can see that. I can I can easily see the Cronkies or... Yeah. And, and this could be just some 4D chess being played by Meza Ozil, strong-arming the club into accepting that offer. Very potentially, but still the point stands that it makes the club look like mugs. And it makes it, it, it. Yeah, but the club. The, but Arsenal. We've been making ourselves look like mugs for six but months. He's a, he's a player for, who's for, employed for by ages. the club. And, and again, I, I'm not disagreeing with the decision. I'm not disagreeing with what he's doing for, for that thing. I'm just simply saying the way he went about it is not is not conducive to good relationship between him and the club. Not conducive between um, the harmony within the group. It's not conducive to. Um, he can go. But there are two caveats to that. There are two caveats to that. One, you don't know why. You don't. Again, this is all conjecture. I could be co- absolutely correct that the board turned down his offer, so he's put it on Twitter to try and strong arm them into accepting it. Because there is obviously a very real thing where Meza Urzel leaves in 12 months and they're then paying a guy who they've re employed on higher wages than they could get somebody else. I, but I could be correct in that he Urzel's just playing some 4D chess. Or you could be correct, and this is just a PR stunt. 
Or we could both be wrong, and this is just a charitable guy who tweets about his charitable work right. all the time. Or we could both be right. All I'm saying is, is whether it makes Arsenal look... Arsenal are, Meza Ozil isn't making Arsenal look like mugs. Arsenal already look like mugs for sacking their mascot who earns 50k a year and then 12 hours later spending 45 million pounds on a player. That is why Arsenal look like mugs, not because of this tweet. I'm sorry, it, the, it's the situation that was created by this club that make us look like idiots in the first place rather than a simple little tweet. Whether it's for PR or not. I think the money available for transfers and the money available for paying people at the club whose services who for 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 a redundancy are different financial elements. But that's something neither of us can ever know. And also that doesn't make it fair and that doesn't make it right. I just think that that's a fact. Um, and I think it's a sh- it's mm-hmm. it's it's not fair that the that the billionaire owner makes people redundant. Um, but from a business standpoint, I understand it without agreeing with it. I yeah, I, I for me personally, I I I I just think, I just think it's it feels like a PR stunt. Yeah. But listen, you know, we saw we saw Urzel this morning, um, fist bumping Arteta in training. Who knows? You know, if he's not left out of that Premier League squad. I think there's something coming from the board. I, I actually, I actually think your thing about the board might, might be correct. Maybe that was his only option. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe publicly pressuring the club into into doing something is was his only option and, and the best option potentially. I don't know um, because I think you know if Arteta's got a player of his a player of Özil's quality in his ranks, and you're telling me Matt Smith's offering more than Özil. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. But anyway, it's it's a really complicated situation and. We don't know most of it. Um, I just think we'll have to sort of wait and see what happens there. So the only other bit of news uh, is about Tierney. Um, there was a statement from the club uh, a little bit earlier on, which came out, which read, uh, the Scottish FA have announced today that uh, Southampton player Stuart Armstrong has returned a positive test for COVID. Blah, 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 blah. Medical team was confirmed that Kieran Tierney, um, as a consequence, sorry, are... As a consequence, our defender Kieran Tierney and Celtic player Ryan Christie, along with one physiotherapist and one with serve, have been advised they are required to self-isolate for 14 days. It doesn't say Kieran Tierney Tierney is going to miss the game. It doesn't clarify that. It just says he needs to isolate for 14 days, which would include the Man City game. Yeah. Uh, We are currently seeking further advice and clarification of the details. Kieran has also said he's tested negative. Um, and apparently Arsenal, Arsenal and the Scottish FA. I think that's that's the, I think that's why we're saying we're seeking further clarification. And Kieran Tinney's also said Arsenal and the SFA are now in discussions with the Scot- Scottish authorities to gain a further understanding. That's all we know so far. Um, I think it's just annoying. These like pointless internationals. Some of these are friendlies. Why are you doing friendlies? I think parties playing friendlies. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. In a coronavirus world, it's it's mental. But yeah, it, I think that's why it's saying that like we're obviously seeking further clarification because he's shown a negative test. I hope he doesn't miss so, that game. So no, but I, I, I honestly can see a, a version of events where as long as he's being tested regularly every few days and is repeat uh, and is isolating before the games and is let's say he turns up three negative COVID results. I'm sure he's fine and he'll be able to play because you can be it. asymptomatic while while carrying the virus but you'll still have evidence of the virus in your system yeah so if, if he goes to, to test negative then exactly then, 
Exactly. If you go eight or nine days and you're you're testing negative, surely that means you. I mean, we're not scientists. Obviously, none of us fucking know anything about this shit. Conjecture, conjecture ahead. Surely, he'll be. I, I, I do do not make me watch Kalazanak against Riyad Mahrez. Don't make me do it. <laughs> Just don't. I've suffered enough. Also, I think there's a there's a thing of like, well, you know, even if he tested negative, he might be carrying it. You could say that for every single player. Of course you could. We can only go off the tests. Like literally, you know, you could say that for every single negative test because they do them regularly in the league. You as could say that for every single player that has a family that exists yeah, with exactly. other human beings. So like, it's if, he's test- if he's testing negative, if he's m- maybe even a seven day isolation, I'd be okay with just because he has that we had a confirmed case. But 14 days and missing the game. No, thanks. <laughs> So Emi Martinez, um, firstly, has again spoken highly of uh, Mikel Arteta. He said uh, the following morning after his move, I texted Mikel and told him, I thanked him. I said, I won these trophies because of the way he trained, the way he changed the team. I trust this process so much. He's incredible. Um, But sort of more interestingly from that thing, he said, I was told there was a 95% chance I would start against Fulham on the first day of the season. But I just thought, why not 100%? Something didn't feel right. That's fine for Martinez's side of things interesting they've told him you have a 95% chance of starting like we kept Leno well we we didn't have any offers for Leno again this is the same conversation that we were having but we don't know that we would have known that in today's world how rare is it that a move flies so under the radar that nobody hears about it no true and but also we could have offered him round exactly this but this is what I'm saying is the Leno Martinez situation has borne out from the fact that he had two years left on his deal, said that he either plays first team football or leaves, and we got an offer of 20 million from Aston Villa. We didn't have those issues with Leno. Leno still had three years, I think, left on his deal at the start of this season. We didn't have the offer, and Leno obviously was already playing first team football and was the number one. So I think it is just this situation that's been born out of circumstance rather than anything more. And if he'd have signed a new deal, I reckon that would have been that. I didn't, we would have stayed with these two keepers, but he didn't. This is what, And we may even have seen that if he'd have signed a new deal, we'd have gone with him as the number one for the season and then moved out Leno at the end of the year. We'll never know, and who knows. But it is no surprise that a keeper that fits in to the style of play that Mikel Arteta is transitioning to more was told that he was likely to start. That doesn't surprise me at all. I yeah. just think that this whole sale has been born out of situation rather than actual... Yeah, I, I just think it, it gives us even more indication that potentially this wasn't a sale that we wanted to make. No. Okay, we have had some questions. Um, we've had a question from Sam Trotman. Shout out to Sam Trotman. Uh, he says, who is at Sam Trotters? Uh, He said, who do you think should be the transfer targets for January and the summer window 2021, knowing that we've improved our centre mid and centre back problem dot dot dot. Would you like to take lead on this or shall I jump in? Yeah, can I jump in? I, 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 next season, we have to sort out what's going on with Lacazette. Absolutely. So for me, it's either send, either sell Lacazette and get an Odson Edward in or someone um, I don't know, but I think we have to sort out the Lacazette problem. That feels to me like the priority. I'd also love to see us get an hour. I'd love to see it still. I think we're still lacking, um, bite in a kind of um 
a number eight. Uh, and we still also don't have Danny Ceballos on a permanent. So maybe we'll be able to get that deal done. Who knows? But I'm interested in an attacking eight um, or even a number 10. I don't know what Arteta, what his plans are, but someone who can link the play and can drive and can receive the ball on the half turn. So an hour, a, a Shaboshlai. Is that how you say his name? Shaboshlai? I have no clue, mate. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm not even going to um, try. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, uh, but I just don't know yes, how to say his uh, name. The, the guy at Salzburg uh, looks pretty good. The, yeah, some, someone in that position and, and a striker would be my priorities because I think next time we're going to be looking at that. Um, and we're looking pretty solid in other positions and the likes of Martinelli, Saka and Nketiah are all a bit older. Mm-hmm. I just think it depends tactically. I think uh-huh. that after the Sheffield United game, I can... I think one of the issues is, is I know, and I know, you know, you absolutely love Aubameyang out on the left, but I think with the two left-hand options we have in Saka and Martinelli and the two right-hand options we have in Pepe and Willian, I genuinely think... And Nelson. And Nelson, yeah, I genuinely think, uh, who seems to be able to play either wing, I think we need to start playing Aubameyang through the middle. He will wait, he will, he won't waste as many chances as Lacazette. And that that is the thing yeah. that's killing us in games. I think his link-up play is underrated as well. Uh, yeah, I, I do. But I also think that if you're playing creative wingers and you're playing a party and you're playing other players, you don't need that link-up play as much in the same way that a Lacazette is having to do it to bring Aubameyang into the game. So I think... So the most important thing to do is sign a creative midfielder, somebody who can play in that um, kind of further forward eight slash ten role, yeah. and I think that is a Husem Awa, somebody, and then I think we will probably dependent on whether we get Sabios on a permanent or not, maybe look to get another midfielder. Yeah. So I think possibly two midfielders on a permanent basis, Husem Awa, kind of creative type, and somebody with a bit more legs can do a bit more of both. And maybe somebody like a Schlobber, I can't say his fucking name, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, just the guy from Salzburg. I also think we need another centre-back. Because if you look at the amount of centre-backs we're losing, we'll be left with, I think, the likelihood is, is we'll be left with Chambers, Holding, Marie, Gabriel, and Mari. Now, obviously, it's looking like Chambers might be on the way out. The same was looking of Rob Holding. So that would only leave us with between four and three centre-backs. So I think investing in another centre-back who we can rotate with, and maybe if we're having that kind of double partnership, we can rotate having Gabriel and Saliba, or great Gabriel and this other person, or Saliba and this other person, and having those three choices that... I wonder whether there might be an internal solution. Maybe. Uh, I know we signed Omar Rekic on deadline day. Uh, who's supposedly highly rated. He's a centre-back, 18 years old. I wonder, potentially we've also got Mavropanos to come back. Um, yeah. Who knows? I, 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 I do see your logic. I see your logic on that one. That would be the, that would be the next kind of issue for me because I think the front line is sorted out. I think you sell Lacazette and you run with what you've got with Enketia yeah. and maybe one other as a backup. Maybe you do need to buy like another 15 million pound striker. But for me, Lacazette, Lacazette's done at the club. He's own like I I just he's done out here. I don't see what he really offers anymore. I don't as much as he's got great link up play. I think that you we need to be playing Aubameyang through the middle, and there's no point having a fifty million pound striker sat on the bench 
that isn't performing like, like a fifty million pound striker, and that's depreciating. So I think that he is the next sale that the club yep. needs to make. Adam Stovold has asked if everyone is fit. What is our best starting eleven? Shall we? Shall we go on like a we'll we'll select we'll suggest and agree kind of basis? Uh, yeah, let's let's take each position. You you start, then I'll do right back, then you do left back. We'll carry on. Okay, I think yeah. Uh, what formation are we going? Four three three. Let's let's go four three three with a holding midfielder and two attacking eights, and then two okay. either side and one up top. I think that's what Arteta wants to play. Okay, basically. I mean, yeah. So goalkeeper, I think is very obvious. It's going to be Lano. Runa Runison. Macy is a big boy. Uh, yes, right back, Bellerin. I'm I'm pretty confident with that. I mean, there's Agreed. a potential for Maitland Niles, but I think I think Maitland Niles is useful in other positions. I don't think he'll ever just lock down that right back slot. And I think Bellerin is hitting new levels. Agreed. Uh, left back, Tierney, obvious. Yep. Left centre back, Gabriel. Yeah, I yep. I'd agree with that. I think right now, right centre back, David Luiz. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind giving Chambers a run when he's back just to see. I think yeah. because we've now got that just to see if he can kind of flourish a bit. We've but... now got that um, passing range in the midfield that that Luis offers us. Uh, I still think David Luiz is our best option if we're playing a, a, a proper three at the back or a five at the back. Oh, definitely. But in the middle of the three, but I yeah, I'd love to see Chambers given a role, but probably I prefer probably Louise probably Luiz. Uh, yeah, and and same with me. Uh, DM the man, the myth, party. I don't know if he'll play DM. I think that would be Xhaka. Yeah, could be Xhaka. Could be Xhaka. I don't know. I, I think I... it will be because Xhaka doesn't have the mobility. So I think Xhaka will play in that DM slot, just not as a DM. Yeah, I, I think it will, it will kind of rotate and be a bit fluid. But yeah, yeah. Let's say let's say the three in midfield will be. I'm going Xhaka, Party, and Ceballos. Yeah, and I think I probably Ceballos most advanced. I think Ceballos. If we're taking the Urzil situation into account, it's going to be Xhaka, Party and Ceballos. But if we're not, I still think our strongest 11 is Xhaka, Party, Urzil. Of course it is. Urzil's, you can't like... Yeah, depends on the opposition, but yeah. You see, I don't even think it depends on the opposition. Like, he's still one of the most creative midfielders. He's... But you can't, you can't play with an Urzil against like a Liverpool or a Man City. You just can't. He's a, he's a, he's a, he just does, he just doesn't have the intensity. They'll walk over us. It's like playing with ten men. Mm, I don't. If you look at his his like distance per game, it's not that far off of some other some of our other players. Mm, I don't know. I, I... He's not going to press with the same intensity that's needed. But if we're pressing from the front with Aubameyang pressing and maybe Willian or Pepe pressing and Saka slash Martinelli pressing, and then you've got Thomas Party and you've also got Granite Jack. Potentially, maybe with maybe with a party. Maybe with a party we can we can kind of accommodate us a little bit more. I don't know, but I, for me personally, I I I think he's 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 a bit of a case of like he hasn't played for so long that we've kind of mythologized him slightly in our heads. I think you know remember his kind of oh he's had two assists in yeah. like a year or whatever it is or two years. But like you also have to consider the the way we've been playing. We've been playing with Unai Emery. <laughs> like who else? No one. No one was getting assists. Yeah. No one was getting goals. We were the 18th most creative le- team in the league, mm. which is fucking stupid for the amount of talent that we have. Like, yeah. 
I think if if we're going to be true to kind of wanting to put out our strongest starting eleven, we need our best creative midfield in that more advanced midfielder in that more advanced role, and that is Meza Özil. I Danny Sabayos is good, but he does not have the. You look at the the passing range of Meza Özil and the, and the vision and the ability. I just don't think that goes overnight. If we're going strongest, I'm still I'm st- I think in terms of a, a unit and a system that works, I'm still going Jacko Party Sabayos. Are you going Jacko Party Özil? Yes. Okay. But I will concede with Sabayos because I think that's most likely. Okay. Uh, and then finally up top, uh, obviously I think I think Abamyang will continue on that left hand side. Nah, I think I think honestly, I, I do. As soon as Martinelli and Saka are back, I think Aubameyang's got to play through the middle. It's a trap. He's one of the best strikers in the in in the league, and if not the best striker in the league, he's not a winger. And we need to start playing him as a striker. It is no surprise that he was outscoring Robert Lewandowski when he had two created creative midfielders either side of him. Like he's a machine. And not playing him in his. I think it's a bit of a myth, though, that that he's stuck out on the left. Like he he's an he's an inside forward. He plays in that channel, especially when he's when he's up the up the. He's an inside up. forward, but he's an inside forward because we have a fifty million pound striker in Lacazette, who we are shoehorning into this team to try and build some confidence. <laughs> if we don't have Lacazette, Aubameyang plays through the middle. Maybe, maybe. We we don't start. We don't play. And Ketia through the middle over Abamyang if Lacazette doesn't exist, because the whole reason that Abamyang was shifted out onto the left was to c- kind of accommodate the scenario. And if the scenario doesn't exist in the first place, there is no need to put him out on the left. Okay, so what are you saying for the front three? Front three for me, if we're going our strongest front three, Saka, Abamyang, Pepe. I at the moment prefer Pepe from the bench, and I'd probably go if if we're I don't so in terms of what I think Arteta will do, Abamyang, Lacazette, Willian is our strongest team in terms of what I think is within the realms of Arteta. What I would play and believe my strongest eleven, I think probably, yeah, Saka, Abamyang, Willian. Yeah, I think Willian and Pepe are the very are the two kind of interchangeable cogs in that machine. Depends on the game. It depends on the game. I th- and I think it's like you say, like if we were to move Aubameyang centrally and we needed some more legwork done in a game like like a Liverpool or a Man City, then yeah, I could see, you know, an Ozil switching out for a Ceballos and a Pepe switching out for a Willian. And I think those are the two kind of conversations that are a bit kind of opposition dependent. But I, I do think for me, it's kind of now time to run with this. Like Saka's putting up better numbers. If we've got party... If we've got other players, we don't need this weird kind of link man dropping in for the sake of it now. Uh, Okay, just one more thing to uh, just recommend for you. I retweeted a Sky Sports article onto the different knock Twitter earlier. Go have a look at it. It's by a guy called Nick Wright. It's talking about how technology is helping Wolves, Leeds and other Premier League clubs avoid injuries and hectic season. It talks about GPS and stuff fascinating really really interesting data led about how clubs are able to get data on players in the red zone avoid injuries and stuff it's it's really really interesting so definitely go check it out all right bradley that's it for this episode of the different knock it's been a pleasure been a pleasure mate the big question is are you going to say bye goodbye my friend oh we love it thanks guys (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiffKnock and check out our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.